welcome to another episode of HP Critical. It's a podcast where my friends and I talk all things gaming. I am Jarrell and I'm joined by Brandon. Hi everyone. And Kelly. Hi everybody. And our special guest for this week, Spencer. Hey, how are you? Good to see everybody. Or hear everybody. <laughs> um, so before we continue, uh, for anyone who's listening or watching who doesn't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Spencer, and uh, what you, your connection with the gaming industry? Yeah, sure. Uh, in brief, so um, personally, I grew up with a dad who worked in Nintendo of America for 20 plus years. Uh, I worked as a contractor for about three. Uh, you know, I did do a lot of the kind of low-level game dev stuff, um, and that's how I did that professionally. Personally, I've been involved with games my whole life. Uh, uh, obviously, like a lot of folks, I'm big on the old-school JRPGs, things yes. like that. Yes. Um, you know, Chrono Trigger is my favorite game of all time. I believe it to be perhaps the pinnacle of human achievement, uh, or I like to say it is. And then beyond that, uh, I'm currently a uh, second year PhD student in the history program at UCLA, and I focus on the history of religion and culture. That was like the best roundup of who you are. <laughs> like, that was Honestly. So Succinct and perfect. Like uh, usually I ask people, and you know, it takes a minute. You're like, you're ready to go. I love it. Um, sure. And speaking of ready to go, I think we're ready to get into some news for the week if you guys are okay. Let's do Let this me thing. starting. All right. Uh, so today, I think it was today, um, mm-hmm. or yesterday, uh, yesterday rather, um, the PlayStation blog published an article about how Hogwarts Legacy is going to use the PS5 features to make gameplay feel magical. Um, this is, as I mentioned, from the PlayStation blog written by Chandler Wood, and they talk about how the DualSense wireless controller is going to be able to do different things, like you're going to be able to feel the magic, essentially. The, uh, the DualSense and DualShock triggers are going to, I believe it said they're going to change color. They're going to ch- like rotate your house colors when you're not casting spells. And then, Yeah, it's going to be um, your house color when you're your house color when you are not casting the spells. And then it's going to um, change colors when you cast spells. You're going to be able to feel the spells in your hand. Um, I, I specifically wanted to talk about this because I know that we've talked before. I'll, I want Spencer's uh, opinion on this first because I know that anyone who listens has already gotten ours. Um, and I think before Spencer and I have talked a little bit about this before, but never really in depth. Um, about specifically playing the the uh uh what is this game called hogwarts legacy Legacy. oh my god about specifically playing hogwarts legacy uh spencer how do you feel about hogwarts legacy as a game that has tried to distance itself from jk rowling based on some of the things that she said you know to me that's a mixed bag because um i mean (laughs) Honestly, my, my knowledge of this game is somewhat uh, limited, but I will say it's, it's a tough deal. Not everybody can do that whole creation versus creator divide. Um, I, you know, I do that on a case-by-case basis. Um, I, I can commend them for wanting to distance themselves from her while wanting to be true to the creation. I mean, it's popular. It's meant a lot to a lot of people, especially a lot of people that are from marginalized backgrounds. Um, so I don't, I don't think, see any reason why this franchise, as it were, should have to, you know, suffer because there's a certain degree in which, you know, the product, if you like, outlives its creator. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to do. I mean, it will never fully be free of JK Rowling, nor, nor can I really say it should or shouldn't be. I feel like that's such an individual, uh, decision. 
Fair point. <laughs> Very fair point. Essentially, you know, allow people to decide whether they want to play it or not. Um, and, right. you know, it's exactly what you said, you know, usually uh, the creation will outlive the creator eventually, um, in which case you enjoy it as as you will. Thank you for answering. Um, so adaptive triggers, feeling the spells, being able to see your house colors change while you're playing the game. Uh, it's very little stuff. Does it excite any of you? Is it something that you like would be interested in seeing or playing? Like, does it make you want to play the game more? Or is it just, you know, extra stuff that doesn't really matter? I don't know, man. If I'm playing, a, like, if I'm playing a game about like the, you know, wizards and, and witches going through the school, I'm okay with a little extra magic my controller, even if it feels like a gimmick. I feel like that's the point of something like this. <laughs> that's just that's what I'm feeling. If I it, hypothetically speaking, if I was playing this on Wii, yeah, I would like to just wave my Wii remote around and then swing once. That being said, I heard the Wii Harry Potter games are trash, but that's a whole another story entirely. The point is, the point is, um, yeah, no, like I'm all about I'm all about this stuff. Whether or not it will actually enhance the game. I guess we'll have to wait until it actually comes out to know, but I just like that it's there, that it makes the, that it makes that experience just feel a little extra magical because I feel like there's a point. Oh my God, it 100% does enhance the game. 100%. And I agree. I, I feel like for the adaptive trickers for and me. the other haptics that the, for PlayStation 5, so far, as far as the games that I've played, have really enhanced the experience. So I expect Hogwarts Legacy will be, will be no different. Another, another reason I brought this up is because for me specifically, when I'm choosing between buying a game for uh, Xbox or PS5, uh, mm -hmm. if that game has some type of adaptive triggers to it sure. that'll enhance the game, 100% I go on PS5. And it's uh, made me choose PS5 over Xbox quite often this generation so far. So stuff like this, I get super excited for. I I remember playing um, the, the Tomb Raider remake, the first one, and like seeing the colors change when your health is low and i was like oh my god this is so cool i love little things like that so for me this is like uh uh whether i decide to play the game or not because i'm still a little uh, uh undecided uh but this is definitely making me lean towards okay this sounds like super cool even if it's gimmicky i'd love to play it. i love little gimmicky stuff like that i just I was, I was thinking about what i was just saying about like the old harry potter games that were like older consoles <laughs> I remember the memes that were coming out when this, like it got announced that this game is also coming to Switch. So the memes were coming out that, oh, the, Switch versus, that the Switch version is going to look like the PS1 Hagrid yes. meme. Like, <laughs> I, literally I, actually, I actually played the original PS1 Hagrid ones. And I never, I, if you if you told 10 year old me playing the original Search Stone on PS1 that this Hagrid is going to become a meme in the future. <laughs> I'm like, I'd be like, get out of my house. Who are you? Wait, is it, this game is also coming to Xbox, no? Yes, it is. It's coming to everything, surprisingly. So that is another, like, why would you buy it on Xbox when you can have, like, your house colors rotating and adaptive triggers when you're casting spells? Like, why would anyone not buy it on PS5 if you had Because it's $10 cheaper. Is it really? <laughs> Are you sure? Because I don't know. I I'm know playing that... it on PC anyways. I don't give a okay. shit. <laughs> okay. All right. Because I know that some of the games have um, that have come out are more expensive on PS5. However, not all of them have been that way. Some of them have also still been our regular, you know, $59.99. So I don't know if this game is going to be more expensive or not. Would I pay an extra $10 for some lights on my controller and adaptive triggers? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. We know. We know. <laughs> yeah, totally they know. Would. They know. 
it's to get me a drill. Like you're like I'm the one that put the thing in the picture, like in the post on the podcast chat. I was like, ooh, pretty colors depending on your house. I'm putting this in the chat. We gotta talk about this. <laughs> so, as, as much as I downplayed it, I, I I'm rooting into it too. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Spencer? Yeah. No, just I think in a lot of ways it's it's kind of this funny thing where, especially with 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 gaming, not what what often becomes great innovation starts as novelty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think any of these things that make gaming a more immersive experience are ultimately good. They won't all land. Yeah. I mean, some, some of it's spaghetti method. You throw stuff at the wall, you see what sticks, and 90% of it doesn't, but the stuff that does, like I remember when I was in eighth grade, I was playing a lot of GameCube. I was playing Eternal Darkness, and the, you know, the nice. way the game would change, the way the controller would change. Uh, you know, I mean, when you're about to basically have a, a a panic attack in the game as somebody who's experienced panic attacks i was like fuck that's way too real <laughs> at 13 years old you know i mean like it it it's there's a part of it that yeah maybe it's a little over the top and cheesy in some ways but it, it creates a more immersive experience and i think that's really where you start to see greater innovation and hopefully will see greater innovations with things like vr which are cool but they're still kind of limited i think you know my hope would be that with stuff like this it will allow people to have a more um holistic experience with gaming yeah. you get mm-hmm. you, you want to get lost in these worlds a little bit okay but the real question is would you pay 10 extra dollars for this if it was me yes so i don't have that much <laughs> okay. <time>. yes okay <laughs> all right um so moving on unless anyone has anything else about hogwarts legacy no we're good all right, so moving on, um, apparently Apple has been in talks to buy EA Gaming. Disney and Amazon are also potential suitors. Um, recently this week, uh, there was some news about EA looking uh, to be purchased. And supposedly Apple, uh, Disney, and Amazon are looking into making that purchase of the video uh, game publisher Electronic Arts. They are actively seeking a potential buyer or merger. Apple has reportedly been in talks with the company about buying EA. Uh, According to Puck, Disney and Amazon have also been in talks about purchasing the video game company. Uh, The Redwood City-based firm has published hits like Apex Legends, Madden, and The Sims franchise. The idea for a buyout or merger came after Microsoft purchased Activision Blizzard for $68 billion earlier this year, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And uh, shortly after, Sony purchased Bungie, uh, the studio behind Destiny, for $3.6 billion. And according to Puck, EA ideally would like a merger so that Andrew Wilson can remain CEO in the new combined company. Um, and apparently EA, EA's roots actually go back to Apple because in 1982, Apple's then director of strategy and marketing, Trip Hawkins, left the company to start EA. Um, and uh, the article goes on to say a buyout wouldn't be Apple's first venture into gaming because I don't know if you guys ha- are familiar with Apple Arcade. I'm, I think I've played it like one time. Um, however, they do have Apple Arcade, which apparently does have some really good games on it that I, I can't vouch mm-hmm. for because I haven't like personally played it myself. Um, but yeah, so this article is from 9to5Mac written by Allison McDaniel. And um, how would you guys feel if you found out that Apple purchased EA? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, let me let me count that with a question. What do we think? What Apple buying a? What do we think that would change? What would even EA? look like? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, 
I see the only thing that only came to mind when I heard about Apple buying EA is just like, okay, so EA will probably make some new games for Apple Arcade. I figured that'd be a stipulation of the deal. But what do you do beyond that? Like, I feel like nothing will change, really. I feel like EA would still just do what they're doing. If, if Apple were to buy EA, like you were saying, it could be a buyout or a merger. I feel like that would lean more into merger status, I feel like. Or at the very least, EA would still retain some autonomy in terms of what they were developing. Like Apple would probably assist funding them, but I don't, I, I just really don't see how, what that would change aside from EA making a few games for Apple Arcade. That's really the only difference. I think it would be like uh, Destiny and PlayStation, right? Where they, they're basically just funding them, but they're allowing them to continue to be their own publisher and do their own thing. Right. Just like, exactly. okay, look, here's the money. Maybe we'll get, you know, some early access stuff, but essentially you're sure. available everywhere. You can do whatever you want. Uh, and, and, you know, as mentioned in the article, keeping uh, the, the, I think I said the CEO, keeping him um, in his position after merger is like what they would be looking for. Um, mm-hmm. It's just very strange. I don't know why... I guess for money, never mind. I, was yeah, gonna say, I don't know why <laughs> EA would want to be bought out. Like, I, I don't get it. What date? Wait, didn't they do? Oh, I know why they would want to be bought out. We recently talked about um, EA losing the licensing for FIFA, and now FIFA is going to make their own FIFA games um, and call them FIFA <laughs> and then tell EA to fuck off. Uh, so now EA is going to get bought by Apple, and then they'll have enough money to buy the contract back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that's possible. If if EA Sports FC ends up being the only game of EA Sports, it's just like buy everyone else be, out. That would be freaking wild. Uh, I mean, most- sure, because FIFA. I think FIFA, like in terms of worldwide sales, is like their most popular series. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure. You know, so so losing FIFA, I'm sure, was a big blow. And if that is the reason why they're doing it, then sure, makes sense. I mean, it's also, to be fair, it is also uh, Disney and Amazon that have also been in talks about purchasing um, uh, EA, which I hope that Amazon doesn't do it because all Amazon games so far have not been great. So like (laughs) Amazon, stop it. Stop trying to control everything. uh, Also, I don't know how I feel about just with Amazon Luna. (laughs) I also don't know how I would feel about Disney buying EA either. Yeah, Disney would be a weird None one. None of these because, companies like, make me feel comfortable with this situation. Apple is the only one that I feel neutral about because I don't think much would change. But if the other two, then I think there'd barely be some repercussions. Disney buying EA would be very weird because they partnered with EA during the Star Wars Battlefront days when they were making Battlefront 1 and 2. They, you know, dice criteria and they made those games. But wouldn't that be why it would be, uh, a you know, an easy purchase? Because if there's Yeah, Wars- but... Yeah, but there was some, but there was some friction between Disney and EA during the Battlefront two early days because of the microtransactions causing some bad press. I think they've moved past it now because Battlefront two's like um, publicity has a sense improved. But um, yeah, that, that, there are a lot of. I think there'd be a lot of EA games like if Disney purchased EA and not like partnered with them, it might be a problem with like some of EA's more violent um, IPs. I think I don't know. Well, I don't know how far Disney would get involved with that, so I, I can't really say for sure. What better way to make sure they're not fucking up your franchise than to buy them? Yeah, sure. No, <laughs> Star Wars. If, if Disney buys EA, Star Wars, I think would be fine. It's just other franchises would how would how far would they continue? That's the real question. I mean, I think a lot of the you know the world we're in too. I mean, <laughs> so much of the stuff we enjoy. I mean, that said, there's plenty of, of vibrant stuff in the indie scene, whether it's music, gaming, any number of things, but. So much of what we do and use, I mean, it's at the mercy of these conglomerates that have yep. just become beasts that cannot be fed. 
I mean, yeah. I'm from I'm from Seattle, you know, and I, I use Amazon as much as anyone else does, so I can't preach. Mm -hmm. But like, they 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 own that damn city. I mean, it's because of that company that it now takes 20 minutes for like to get to the from the house where I grew up in to to get to downtown Seattle. Used to take 20 minutes. Now it takes an hour and a half. Oh my god. I mean, it's because of that company. Oh my god! The, the, yeah, so I mean, we're kind of at the mercy of these big conglomerates. I mean, I'm, I'm mm. wouldn't be shocked if this stuff goes through, and then we get basically EA brought to you by Taco Bell. I mean, it's just <laughs> um, I got about can't afford EA. <laughs> I, 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 no, they can't. Oh, I can see it now. <laughs> I will also say though that Disney does own ESPN, so this could literally be the True. beginning of you know uh, FIFA. Uh, uh, how do you? What is that called? When you oh. like play games internationally, I don't. What is that called? Like a FIFA oh, Cup, I... but like streamed. I I can't think World of World Cup. Yeah, like a streamed, like ESPN streaming of competitive gaming could then go oh, into. Oh, that's like, getting it. Okay. Yes. Then you I, then you've got your FIFA's and your uh, hmm, every that. other sports game. Yeah, and Madden's every other sports game uh, produced by EA is now streamed live on ESPN for their their sports gaming portion. Um, right. You know, there's different things that they could do. I just thought of that one. Um, and then bringing it all into, you know, uh, Disney Plus and Star Wars. And, like, it, it would be a smart move for Disney, I think. Um, sure. Amazon, no. Uh, Apple, I guess Apple could also use the expertise of a group that makes video games to that actually makes make games, sure. yeah. video games. <laughs> like, yeah. Because isn't, isn't Apple Arcade as it is right now, like, like you said, I, I obviously can't personally speak to it either because I haven't played any of the games, but I really have heard good things with the Apple Arcade game. But isn't that because they're all like, like Apple themselves is not developing the games, right? It's just like yeah, other developers are just, yeah. Correct. Yeah, and so that's the thing. Like, I don't know, what maybe with their EA, with EA's expertise, they could probably start doing that. But I don't know if that's something even they necessarily want. I think they're finding more success just having people come make games for them rather than try to do it themselves. I just don't. That's kind of... Ironically enough, that's kind of what happened with Disney. Once upon a time, Disney was developing their own games, like Disney Interactive, Buena Vista games. Yeah. And then after there, there was like, man, we don't know. How to, we don't know. Like, I think the, the, one of the CEOs just straight up came and was like, we don't know what we're doing. We're just gonna, we're just gonna let people do it. If they want to make a Disney game, we'll, we'll fund it. We're, you know, and that's why you buy EA. <laughs> <laughs> and um, oh my God, uh, there was something else I was gonna say about this. Um, but I did we lose Kelly? No, I was just going to ask her, Kelly, do you have any thoughts on this one? Um, I mean, not really. I'd hate to see them bought out by a large company. I feel like, why does every company have to just get bought out by some bigger company? Like, why can't they just stay EA? I don't um, understand why they're looking to be bought out, except like you said, drill money. That's it. Um, I feel like any of these companies would be making a good move to buy them because I mean, they're pretty um, well-known. They're pretty, um, you know, they have their own shit going for them, but like, I don't know. I would hate to see them bought out by someone. I've always really liked DA, even whenever people were like microtransactions and lost their minds. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I always was like a fan of their games, but uh, I'd hate to see them bought to be honest, because I'd like to still support them, but Maybe not if they're bought by Apple or 
whoever. I guess Disney would be my pick of them just because I feel like they could do a lot, but um, I don't want them to be limited because it's Disney now. Mm -hmm. Fair point. Um, so speaking of EA, um, <laughs> The Sims is from EA, obviously, and the long-awaited wow. Sims 4 pronouns update is finally here. Um, you Players can assign and, and put their own pronouns for their Sims from today. This is an article from GamesRadar.com written by Hope Bellingham, and it says, quote, the latest The Sims 4 update will let players assign pronouns to their Sims as well as input custom ones. Previewed back in January of this year, developer Maxis has officially launched the custom pronouns update for The Sims 4. Not only are players able to assign he, him, she, her, or they, them pronouns to their sims, but they're also able to input custom pronouns. The update is live as of uh, the writing of this, which was May 24th, however, only for the English version of the game. Uh, but don't worry, though, in a press release, Samaxis said that this update is just one step in the direction of a more inclusive experience for simmers. The studio also said that the team intends to update and improve this feature over time to support more languages. Um, <laughs> Obviously, on the HP Critical Podcast, I had to bring up the fact that The Sims is now allowing you to um, assign pronouns to your Sims. However, Kelly, do you play The Sims? No? I have The Sims because I spend money on everything, but <laughs> I, okay. I couldn't get into it, but yeah. Okay, but you have you played The Sims in the past? No. I mean, I know, like... Okay, I like know things about it. I probably like watched gameplay about it, but I don't like. That's know. okay. <laughs> Spencer, have I, you I, played I, The Sims in the past? It, ages ago, so I back when I was in like middle school, both my sister and I played The Sims pretty consistently. I mean, it's funny because The Sims wasn't really like my my thing, but I it, it it's it's very easily addicting, um, and it's a huge time suck, you know. So. It was easy to sit down, play kind of mindlessly, and just have fun with it. Um, you know, it it and for some people, it, it was kind of an entry into the world of video games if they weren't otherwise familiar with it. So yeah, I, I definitely remember spending a lot of hours on Sims One and Two. Um, after that, I kind of fell off the Sims wagon, but I definitely have a lot of relationship to it. I used to play, of course, a lot of like Sim City when I was a kid. I loved that game. Oh my God, I love Sim City. Yeah. <laughs> so those were a lot of fun. My dad loved that as well. He's a huge SimCity fan. Brandon, have you played The Sims? No, I have not. But oh my god! Speaking of SimCity, <laughs> I played the original Super Nintendo SimCity because it was on the virtual console back in the day, and yep. boy, I couldn't get into it. <laughs> At the Honestly, time, it was just the the menus confused me. I was too small. I was just like, this isn't for me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I would get into it now, but at, you know, eight, nine years old, when I was playing it on my Super Nintendo with my dad, it was pretty easy to follow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's something fun about, about The Sims as a franchise that um, I've always respected and appreciated, even if I don't always keep up with their latest releases. Um, you know, I mean, I think they're one of those games, or excuse me, one of those franchises that definitely does a pretty solid job of kind of reflecting in some ways where players often are at, especially more casual audiences. Um, so, you know, with the whole pronouns thing, I think it's a definitely a neat idea. I haven't heard of other, heard of other franchises doing that. I'm sure they are, but uh, it's, it's a neat concept. 
Um, well, as the resident Sims player here, because apparently I'm the only person <laughs> who has played The Sims 3 and 4 on the podcast, and honestly, 4 is, like, not good, so I haven't really played it that much either. Um, I couldn't remember where the pronouns would come into effect while playing the game, which is why I was asking if anyone had actually played, because I was going to ask, like, <laughs> what, like, where, like, I know that they said you input the pronouns in the beginning, but I thought that The Sims, like, spoke their own language and they don't refer to each other by pronouns anyway so I was like how does this work however it doesn't matter how it works the point is that it's there and that's freaking awesome um they're also uh developer Maxis is working with the it gets better project and uh glad to quote better understand the use and impact of pronouns and where binary representations of gender are present in the sense for um, and it does mm -hmm. say that uh, players will be able to select or input their Sims pronouns during the Sim creation process in the same places where they'd give them their names. So that was pretty neat. I thought we should bring it up because like uh, pronoun options, like Spencer, Spencer mentioned, I can't really think of aside from, I think Cyberpunk 2077 kind of did it, but I don't really remember. I can't really think of any other game that allows you to pick your pronouns before beginning now that I think about it. Um, not that, you know, obviously it's not gonna work for every game, but I can't think of many games that allow you to do that. Um, I mean, I think, um, I, I, I hate to chime in again if it's- No, please. Uh, uh, but, uh, I, I look at some of this kind of through a couple different lenses now, you know, both through somebody who's a background in games, but also as an academic. And it's funny because you know, you're starting to see, I think, some of this is still, for a lot of people, right, for a lot of folks like myself, right, the straight white guy, uh, cis straight white guy, a lot, of, <laughs> I mean, for a lot of us, this stuff is still, it's still newer territory, and you're still getting people to understand how it even works, what the mechanics are, and so I think it's, it, that's why it's perhaps not as, um, it's a good word here. It's not as perhaps ubiquitous as it probably will be in the next five, 10 years, probably sooner than that. But um, we're, we're, I think we're at a unique point where we're, we're kind of watching people adjust to some of this stuff and make provisions for it in real time. And yeah. I, it's, it's, it's on, on the one hand, it's actually very fascinating to watch because you're seeing you know, these big societal changes take place, but you're also seeing the, the for want of a better word, labor, right, that has to go into that. Uh, and that is, come for centuries, that's something that's re been reflected in art, it's been reflected in different forms of cultural expression, and games are no different. So we'll start to see more of that in games, I think, where it does become perhaps more pertinent to do that and more necessary to do that. I mean, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, but also it's it's very strange, I think, for games specifically, because off the top of my head, the only games I'm thinking of are, you know, right now, just me personally, are JRPGs, and all of them have protagonists that are already um, a specific gender. So I'm thinking like how many like different genres or games would actually benefit from something right. like this that are outside of, you know, the Sims genre of games, so. But I, mean, I, mean, I think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Just, I, I think something like, you're right. I mean, I, I think there is, I think, yes, it's a bit, of, a bit of a limited window, but for instance, I mean, MMOs going forward uh, might, or things of that nature probably would. Yeah, uh, allowing you to put your, like, uh, your pronouns in the profile of an MMO. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, as, as, as gaming and the experience of gaming gets more democratized, um, we'll probably see more of that. I mean, having said that, like you pointed out, you know, as say, let's just use something, right? There's kind of been this resurgence of JRPGs in the last few years. Will we see it there? I mean, probably not as much, not as pervasively, but that may also be because there's not as much of a, again, for want of a better phrase, a necessity within the game to, yeah, to do exactly if, if you're playing a predetermined character. Mm -hmm. My thoughts exactly. Want to stay up to date with everything on HP Critical? Visit hpcritical.com and sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at hpcritical and on Twitter at critical underscore HP to keep you up to date on our articles, tournaments, events, and more. We also have a Patreon. If you like what we are doing and want to show your support, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash hpcritical or using your free Twitch Prime sub at twitch.tv forward slash HP critical. Okie dokie guys. So I don't know if you guys know, but it is mm. now official that testers yes. at Activision owned Raven Software have voted to form the US video game industry's first major union. Uh, there I can't believe votes. Gabe is not here to talk about this. <laughs> there are 19 <laughs> votes for and three votes against. Um, next, this group of Raven testers will set out to negotiate a contract with Activision. Based on how Activision has reacted to Raven's union efforts so far, it's safe to say the coming negotiations will neither be short nor easy. Uh, one sign that Activision won't make this easy for Raven testers is that in recent weeks, a management encouraged employee... Uh, as management encouraged employees to vote against unionizing, the company repeatedly mentioned that it can take a very long time for a union to negotiate its first contract. So first of all, yes, I'm so sad that Gabe is not here because he's constantly, <laughs> constantly telling us about how amazing unions are. So of course, the one week he's not here, we're talking about uh, unions. The union, yeah. Um, secondly, this has been going on for quite a while. Uh, Activision-owned Raven has continuously told their employees, don't unionize. It's not good for you. It's not going to be good for you in the end. It's not a good idea. Um, luckily, they voted against uh, Activision Raven for a union, which they are now in talks for. And as mentioned, um, the company is still telling them, look, it's going to take at least a year for this to get started, so don't get your hopes up. Um, as negotiations begin, we do have to say, Congratulations on those at on uh, at Raven Software because it's such a huge deal. As mentioned, this is going to be the first uh, oh, yeah. video game major industry union. Also, this oh, yeah. information comes from uh, Jason Schreier. Um, so now that we have our first video game union, how do you guys feel about this? That's fantastic, and I hope it leads the way, paves the way for more unions going forward. Like I really, I really just hope this is the first step to to other. Uh, game studios getting unions because they need Yeah, oh, 100%. What are you saying? I think it's... Oh, go ahead, Kelly. No, it's okay. You can go first. Oh, uh, I, I I'll, thought... Oh, go. Never mind, never mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I think that what gaming companies don't realize is that the real union busting would just be like, I don't know, paying your people a living wage or not firing them. Like, it's it's like, you don't have to spend so much on union busting if you just treated people like humans. Yep. So mm -hmm. to really do a union bust, you did it wrong. Like, honestly, you would have saved money by just giving everyone a raise. Like, I you've spent more, they spend so much in union busting campaigns, it's ridiculous. I'm very happy for the union. Um, I hope that 
these people are protected under this formed union without a contract um, so they don't get fired over the next year while it's being in talks. Uh, I hope that's not a thing, um, not to give, you know, Activision Blizzard any ideas. Mm. Um, but yeah, I feel like that could be a concern for me, but it's a huge step in the right direction. And and just like to see an industry that is worth so much still treating people like throwaway and don't want to pay them, just fire them on Christmas or some shit. Like that's what they did to like, the people at Raven, like they had recently like laid off a bunch of QA testers, right? Yeah. Um, and like that was huge news. And it was like, yeah, like, no, we're not gonna stand for it anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, just hopefully we just see people getting treated like humans in the gaming industry. Like everybody wants to work in it. It's a huge industry. Like just treat your people decent. And that's literally not that right. hard. You're making yeah. like so much money and profits. I don't it's it's unfathomable. Yeah, I mean, I'm a union man, so I I I, I will to my dying day uh, espouse the joys of the union. Now, I don't understand a lot of the mechanics and all of it. I'll be honest. Uh, a couple of years ago, I once said to some of my friends, "Everything I know about unions, I learned from The Simpsons," which was initially true. <laughs> um, um, you know, dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Um, <laughs> But I'm in, a, I'm in a union here and um, it has gotten us every good thing we have. Without it, we'd be up the creek without a paddle. And I hope this happens more in labor collectives across the country. Sincerely, I hope it. I mean, you know, um, as a person who's worked as, as a contractor and, and all that, I mean, I, I, I had a lot of really good treatment where I was because largely of who my dad was. I freely admit that. But, um, it, you know, the, the conditions have only gotten worse in the last five, six, seven, eight years. And yeah, Kelly's exactly right. You want people to love their job. You want, you want people to want to work for you. You want people to want to give their best, pay them a living wage, treat them like human beings, right? This is a little bit of, a, this is a little bit hyperbole, but honestly, there's an old adage. It says, you know, why did Alexander's men fight for him? Because he lived as they lived. He inspired them to, to, to do what he did. You want, if you want a company that produces top-notch material and has people that will, you know, you know, metaphorically lay down their, their, their lives, so to speak, to defend how great their company is, give them the reason to do that. Treat them like human beings, pay them living wages. There would be no need for this if it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Uh, and the, my two cents on this is <laughs> couldn't have happened to a better uh, developing studio because with all the information that's been coming out from Activision Blizzard, if anybody needs unions, it's yep. definitely anyone underneath that umbrella. Um, I will also add, you know, I know we are pro-union on the HP Critical Podcast. Uh, I, I do understand <laughs> that it's not always, I've been in situations where unions aren't always as helpful as they could be. And I do understand that that is something that could happen, but for the majority of people, it's definitely a, 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 a way out of a bad situation. But and just to tell you guys how badly Activision did not want its Raven employees to get this uh, union vote passed through, here's a quote from um, an internal QA uh, 
that the company management wrote says, quote, having a union at Raven could fundamentally alter the way Raven works in ways that can have a significant negative impact for the studio and for individual Raven employees. They also sent a, a series of videos to their staff um, and management at, at Activision and Raven listed bullet points. And those bullet points include a union can't guarantee a pay raise and union contracts often put an end to flexible scheduling. So these are lovely little bullet, bullet points that they put internally for the company uh, while they were voting uh, uh, for or against unions, just to tell you how much they really did not want um, this to go through. But I mean, as we've said before, if I'm working for a company and they're telling me this so badly that they don't want me to do this, I feel like I should probably do it because that means it's <laughs> probably good for me if they don't want me to have it. Um, there's got to be a reason they're fighting so hard for me not to get this union. So um, congratulations to them. Hopefully, as you guys mentioned, it does spread out a little bit further. Um, what time is it? All right, we're, we're good. Um, also... I don't know how many of you guys have PSN or subscribe to uh, PSN, but uh, PSN has now topped 100 million users ahead of Sony's PlayStation Plus premium rollout. Um, and this this tagline says it might be Game Pass that makes the most headlines, but Sony's PlayStation Network isn't shrinking its, shrinking its money-making duties. This is from VG247.com by Dom Pepiat. I hope I said your name right, Dom. I apologize if I did it. Um, <laughs> all right. The, the, the 100 million users mm -hmm. are subscribed to the PlayStation Network. Correct. Mm -hmm. That is a surprising number to me. And that's why I posted this. Because are there... I guess there are a hundred million PlayStation users out there all subscribe to the PlayStation network. Does that sound like accurate to you guys? Like, I feel like it doesn't sound right to me. Well, I guess that's factoring in both users of PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, but it could even also be factoring. I very much doubt it because, you know, PS3 is quite, is, is getting quite old at this point, but I really do figure that's like between PS4 and PS5 skews which I don't have exact sales numbers on PS4. It does seem like a lot. That does seem like a really rather large number. Um, that being said, and again, it's still a large number, but I figure that I would most people that have PlayStation systems are doing it to like play online. Like- Ah, um, uh, fair. Like PlayStation, uh, PlayStation, Xbox are systems that strike me as if someone's getting them, there's, they want to play online with like other people. They've seemed like they, 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 naturally target the more hardcore audience that do want to play like these online games whereas you look at something like a nintendo one that definitely wouldn't be as high because that definitely uh caters more to a casual market obviously there's still people that are paying for online for their nintendo system but a good number i would imagine but i figure for a system like playstation xbox it's more likely that they would want to get in on at least some kind of online plan so they could play especially since <laughs> uh, a lot of nintendo games uh, only have local and not online and then with the opposite with playstation a lot of playstation and xbox games only have online and no split stream lo local so you know it's a complete opposite problem so if you're going to be playing the system that has that doesn't have the local play then you need the online to even play multiplayer so there's that well, I will also um, say a little bit more about what this article states, which was that in the latest corporate strategy meeting presentation, Sony announced that the PlayStation Network currently generates uh, 
over $14 billion in sales per year. Um, mm -hmm. And that number is up $6.27 billion from 2021. So they definitely are raking in the cash. <laughs> Lots of money there. Um, this article also says that the company noted that over 100 million monthly active users contribute to the staggering number. So it is definitely mm -hmm. active users. It's not just, well, I, I, I question what active users means because like, yeah. is Kelly an active user? You know, like, and I'm mm. using her as an example because she has said on this podcast that she just pays for PS Plus and does not use it well, uh, for like yeah. half the year until like one game comes out. My credit card expired, so they can't charge me. Anymore. Oh shit! Just kidding! <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, no, but you have to be subscribed right now. Don't, oh no, you're no. Never mind. You might be playing on PC. Uh, but like, I just wonder how many people are just like paying for the year and just not realizing it um but i mean yeah there's money, that too money does talk and uh, this article does go on to say that uh sean Layden uh did say in 2021 that game pass can't sustain 120 million dollars uh games until it has 500 million subscribers um and sony is now at a fifth of that suggested number on psn <laughs> so they're not there yet either uh but it's very interesting to see the different avenues that uh sony is taking versus uh uh xbox uh microsoft uh because specifically i think last week we talked about um the different playstation plus tiers and i guess yes. this is playstation's way of competing against game pass which we all know is not making money i think it's still not making money um mm -hmm. it's literally a service that is eating microsoft's money but it's good for gamers so i'm not really complaining about it sure. uh but playstation you know they're they they said they're they're knocking on that door making that money and um i wonder i wonder how the new tiers are going to affect that now i don't to be clear i don't see that number going down because of new tiers because a lot of people just if they don't understand they'll hire to they're gonna stay where their, they are yeah exactly so i don't see that number going down but i do mm -hmm. wonder if there might be some people that might bite them there might be more people biting because they're uh oh you know what happened you got you you disconnected for a second okay am i here now yeah yeah, yeah. cool 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 yeah so no i'm just, no no the last thing i was saying is like i'm just wondering if the new tiers might get more people that weren't that didn't have a plus before to buy it now if the new if anything in the new tier interests them interested them yeah, for sure. I completely agree with you for sure. I mean, we did talk about the game trials and I said that is something I would pay extra for sure. to be able to play a game for two hours before deciding whether I want to buy it or not and saving 60 bucks potentially because I just go buy games because they're out and I work <laughs> near a GameStop. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, it's out. I guess I'll give it a shot. But being able to save that money. Yeah, for sure. Like that's definitely something I would look into. Um, so I'm uh, moving away from PlayStation and Xbox unless anybody wanted to chime in on that one. Are, are we good? All right, so moving away from uh, PlayStation and Xbox, Nintendo continues to patch and fix Nintendo 64 games on uh, the Switch. Um, oh, there have been a few minor fixes that just came out. Uh, the N64 on Switch patch was recently released alongside uh, Kirby 64, and apparently some sneaky data miners have managed to once again uncover some invisible patch notes, most famously Nintendo fixed the fog in Ocarina of Time, which was one Great. of the most egregious emulation releases in some time and one of myriad errors. I have not played Ocarina of Time, so I cannot attest to this uh, fog. Boy, people were just, I, 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 for, for reasons that I'm saying, 
like I'll just be transparent. I haven't played Ocarina of Time yet on my Switch yet just because I'm saving it for a future episode of Does It Hold Up? But like, um, I, I know that was something that people were talking about a lot. Like people were just sharing uh, pictures ad nauseum of like the, the bad emulation of the fog, uh, particularly Ooh, of the water temple horrible. area. Um, it didn't say, nothing sounded like, no, there's nothing, to be clear, there's nothing game breaking, but if you do look, did look at like direct comparison pictures, there were some, uh, some no, it was noticeable. Let's just say that. So if they fix that, that's nice. Um, ho- hopefully it's like getting as close to parody as possible. Um, did they say anything about Paper Mario, by the way, in the patch notes? No. Um, so Damn. the the notes here, which, by the way, these are data mined patch notes. They're not like official okay. patch notes as mentioned. Um, mm. It says they worked on Star Fox 64, Dr. Mario 64, and Mario Golf. Um, and okay. then they added Kirby 64. Um, so those are the only ones that are mentioned here. By the way, this is from Destruct- destructoid.com written by Chris Carter. Um, but I brought it up because I didn't know they were fixing them. I thought they were just putting out these really bad Nintendo 64 ports and just letting me pay money for them and being <laughs> upset that they sucked. But well, that's the thing. they're getting some work. Well, that's the thing too. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's uh, Nintendo's lack of transparency in a lot of these situations because you wouldn't, you're not you're you wouldn't be wrong to assume that there's, mm-hmm. there's many times where they just like put them out and they, they just don't improve upon them but i guess enough backlash has prompted them to like actually be somewhat proactive on finishing these uh fixing some of these patches really hope they get that paper mario one fix one because that one actually is borderline game breaking there's like certain part what i've seen is like there's certain parts of paper mario where if like for example you hit this tree or you hit this block a certain thing the game will just close and if you didn't hit a save point or make what? a spend point you could just lose a whole bunch of progress. That's an RPG, yeah. sir. That on is, your switch. That's on your crazy. switch. Yeah. So that's the main one. Like uh, you're yeah. like, screw the screw the fog thing. Whatever. Your game doesn't look as good as the original. That, I'm, we're talking about a game, a game, an RPG. You could lose hours of progress because you hit the wrong block and uh, you didn't save for, for a while, or you didn't make a suspend point. Uh so that's a that's one that I need, I need to I need to get some notes on first yeah that's a fuck up i mean that's a fuck up sorry yeah straight up no that's fine that's fine. one that Um, they're charging you more money for because you gotta pay extra to get that level of being able to play those nintendo 64 games i'm just curious like the ones that you did mention uh what'd you say dr mario mario golf kirby 64 and star fox Star Fox, thank you. Don't ask me what I, was in there. I, I the yeah, I wasn't asked. <laughs> okay. I wasn't asked. Well, uh, well, it's I, it's more of a curiosity. I'm like wondering what was wrong about those with, with those games because you know the main two that people were talking about were Ocarina of Time and Paper Mario. Those were the two main ones that people were like, oh, what the hell is this shit? And I hadn't heard anything about the other four. So good on you for fixing them. I think it's like them. minor fixes. I think it, it must be. It fixes. must be. I, I don't. I don't think there was anything major except for Ocarina of Time. So. <laughs> something that i forgot to bring up um which i'm gonna go back to uh unions really quickly in activision blizzard apparently they've illegally threatened their staff um the u.s labor board prosecutors have determined that activision blizzard illegally threatened staff members and violated employees workers rights by enforcing an overly broad social media policy um, these ag- these allegations specifically support the claim that activision blizzard has threatened employees in the exercise of rights guaranteed by section 7 of the national labor Rela- relations act um the employer has threatened employees that they cannot talk about or communicate about wages, hours, and working conditions, the complaint reads. 
Activision Blizzard apparently also told employees they cannot communicate with or discuss ongoing investigations of wages, hours, and working conditions, maintained an overly broad social media policy, enforced the social media policy against employees who have engaged in protected concerted activity, threatened or disciplined employees on account of protected concerted activity, engaged in surveillance of employees engaged in protected concerted activity, and engaged in interrogation of employees about protected concerted activities. Uh, the NLRB looked into this complaint and found merit to the previous allegations that I just mentioned. Um, yeah. yeah. And I just, I, you know, I just want to say this. I mean, it's probably been said ad nauseum, but I mean, the stuff that came out about Blizzard, but I mean, that is just the most, and I, I, I mean, I remember watching it and my, my jaw hung open. Yeah. I, I just, like when I saw Blizzard trending, I think a lot of us knew it was going to be bad. Like maybe a, like a six or a seven. This was like a fucking fifteen. Like I, I had never seen anything that deranged in gaming news in my life, and I mean I just was floored. And I have no sympathy for them as a company right now. Um, yeah, I mean for them to continue to just have this this poisonous toxicity. Um, and the fact that it got worse like every week that you watched. Like, you hear yeah, one there thing was and no the next bottom. week it's worse, and there, then it's worse. There was, yeah. no, there was no bottom. And, and, and I don't know. I, and the only reason I mentioned that here, not to rehash it, is just to say it, it seems like for all, you know, again, it's, it's this whole, it, it, it shows that a lot of this, like, oh, we're going to change, we're going to do this, we're going to do X, we're going to do Y. And then they have this kind of stuff come out. It's, just, it's, it's virtue signaling. It, it's yeah. just, it's bullshit. I think what like shocked me the most about this, you know, we were just cheering for for uh, Raven getting their first um their their union, but the fact that <laughs> they've been found, you know, Activision Blizzard has been found culpable by the NLRB for for I I said you know engaging in surveillance of like protected activities um and and uh, there was something else that I said uh, threatening uh or disciplining employees on protected activities like you can't do that. <laughs> like you literally can't do that. Like, the whole point is that you can't do it. And then you're found guilty of doing it. And then the response is like, no, we totally didn't do it, but also don't have unions. Like what? none of it, none of it makes sense. Uh, like none of it makes sense. And I'm, I, unless anyone has anything to say on it, I will definitely move along. Going yeah, a few more stories here. It's just, it's just, the deep-seated rot uh, that's all i'll say it's almost like you can't do anything to fix it now i think on a previous podcast i had asked you guys like what can they do like with with microsoft purchasing activision blizzard is there anything they could do to make it better i feel like no because even though we've heard about this huge acquisition and the amount of money that they're paying to purchase activision blizzard every week there's still a bad story so there's there's been no positive press since hearing that microsoft is uh, attempting to purchase activision blizzard like none right there's been absolutely and nothing positive and i, I want to say one thing not in defense of blizzard but in defense of you know i'm like i mean i like so many people i'm a, i've been a blizzard fan since i was six years old i mean mm -hmm. so this does not come from me not liking blizzard as a company i mean they were a gold standard for a long time for a lot of the good reasons they i mean it was to, i mean maybe this is hokey and silly but it was to read that news i guess it wasn't as shocking as it should have been the severity of it was but it was heartbreaking for a whole host of reasons i mean obviously i felt horrible for the people that were caught in that caught up in that 
but it was so sad because I, I was such a fan and I'm still a fan of some of those franchises that probably won't go away. But I mean, a company that, that really inspired me yeah, and same. really motivated me to do some of what I do in terms of engaging with, you know, pop culture and history. It just really was heartbreaking, honestly, to watch. And so I, I don't know. I mean, it's like that. There's that line in the in Warcraft Three with Arthas. You know, he says this entire town must be purged. It became a meme. I mean, the whole company has to be purged. I, for anyone who listens but doesn't see me currently, I have a horde tattoo on my wrist, which you guys yeah, can see right here. I see it. And um, after this came out, I usually because of its placement, like I'll go to like order Starbucks or something, and someone will see it, and we'll have a great conversation about Warcraft. Um, yeah, I have never been more <laughs> embarrassed about a tattoo I've ever had. Yeah, until after all of this stuff came out, like it's been such a hard place to be because of my love for what the franchise was and what it meant to me, uh, versus where the company is currently. Um, but you know, there's nothing I can do about my tattoo because I'm not taking it off. I'm not gonna pay for removal. What's wrong with you guys? Blizzard, you pay for the <laughs> removal. <laughs> What'd you say? It's a kick-ass tattoo. You should thank have you. <laughs> um, but I do have one question for you guys. Um, is there anything, Kelly, Brandon, and Spencer, that Blizzard or that Microsoft can do to make Blizzard look better through this purchase after all the things that continue to happen? Do you think there's anything they can do or are they just stuck? Yeah, Fire Bobby thing. Kovic. Thank you! <laughs> that, that was it. Yeah. That was it. We're good. We're good. That was my answer. Yeah, I mean, to, yeah, to me, that would be a start. Fire Bobby Kovic, get him the hell out. And I mean, you know, I mean, again, this is a horrible analogy, but it's, it's like the blight, man. You, you've got to cut it out. And people like Kotick are the reason that it's there and that it persists. Until you do that, it will not go away. You can't, it, it, it's like trying to ignore a tumor. I mean, it, it just, there's no other way around it. There's so many other people that also need to be fired too, though. I oh yeah, there's, there. <laughs> there's so much. I just, I, I just, I feel for Microsoft at this point. Like, yeah, and I never thought I'd say that, but yes, I do feel. For <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So speaking of Microsoft, thank you for that segue. Speaking of Microsoft, uh, there is an article at Kotaku titled "After Years of Hype, the Xbox Game Pass Burnout Is Here." Um, Following that tweet, there was a uh, reply from Xbox Game Pass that said, quote, tell me you limit yourself to only AAA games without telling me you limit yourself to only AAA games. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this because I have had Game Pass in the past. Kelly has had Game Pass in the past. Spencer, have you had Game Pass? Uh, no, I haven't. It's just not come up for me. It's totally fine. Um, I wanted to talk about this because as someone who has had Game Pass, I've talked on this podcast about the great value that Game Pass is, right? You get, you know, hundreds of games for $15.99 a month. Um, so many that you'll never finish them. Like, and they're always rotating. It's a great value. However, I checked out this article and this article says there are great indie titles on Xbox Game Pass. This article also says there are AAA games on Game Pass. However, there is uh, a burnout because there isn't anything, you know, unique or, or um, I shouldn't have said unique, uh, uh, exclusive that you can play on Game Pass that's going to make people want to sign up. So, Kelly, I'm going to ask you, having had Game Pass, how do you feel 
about this tweet specifically? Um, Do you I feel mean, like it's like accurate rather is what I'll say? Um, I mean, there's so many games, but I do understand how the burnout is there. Like, it's just like, it's like whenever you want to watch something on Netflix. So you just like keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling <laughs> and scrolling until pretty soon it's just time for bed. That's kind of how I feel about Game Pass. It's like, I got not bored of it, but like, I was just overwhelmed. Like there's just too much. And then once you've played like, but once I've played like, let's say people actually are limiting themselves to AAA games, but like how many games have I played? 20 on Game Pass? like. Is that enough? Like, I just don't, I don't know. I saw the value in it for a long time, but like that I'm like, this game is like $5 on Steam or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of games. So I feel like their tweet was kind of right. Like, okay, we'll just say that you don't play, you know, anything besides AAA titles. But I do feel like people can get burned out. That's a valid um criticism of game pass um but I, I don't think being burnt out is necessarily having nothing to play mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i will say i've had game pass and i've turned it off because i too have been like oh there's just too many games like there's too much here um yeah. even though it's a great value it's not something that i even have time for right now like i just yeah. don't have the time to even look at a list of game pass games um and so when i when i saw that i was like Sure, you can say that you don't have like that they're not looking at AAA or they're not looking at indie games, but at the same time, there aren't many AAA games on Game Pass that I either don't already own or can't find somewhere cheaper. So I kind of also agree with the uh, with the article there, and it's like there there is burnout when there's just too much of something, and you only have you know a certain amount of access um, uh, accessible time to enjoy that hobby, and then you got to sit there and think about okay, what game am I going to play now? Brandon, you have an Xbox. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been interested in Game Pass? I had it for a brief time just to kind of like play around with it and mm. see what, but I didn't, but I had it for like basically a month and then I just had the regular, because it's just not for me personally, because I'm the kind of person that if I know I want something, I'm just going to play it. I'm not the kind that just kind of like goes between and like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now that being said, uh, in regards to the tweet itself, the, uh, the quote tweet, I did find it kind of funny initially, but I did think about it and I did like look upon it and, you know, and because Game Pass has such a variety of games, I wouldn't necessarily like, um, you know, if you're the one paying for it, then you should play what you want. If you're only interested in the AAA games, that's totally valid. A lot of people get Game Pass so they can have access to the wealth of indies so that they can play real quick. And on that note, I think on the latter regards, um, I think indie, playing indies through Game Pass is a very smart way to do it because in regards to what you two said about burnout, that can, of course, happen very fast. Like, let's say you are someone that has Game Pass and you are just playing every AAA game that's out there. Most AAA games, by definition, are long and they feel like the money. So, like, even if you were to, like, really only play those, you would, I don't know, I mean, they're expensive games, so you'd get your money's worth, but you wouldn't get as much games in, I guess. But with your with the with the Game Pass like proposition, if you like playing like a lot of indie games that are usually shorter, you can probably get through like a whole bunch of them. I, I guess what I'm saying is is like again, people, if you're paying for it, but get play what you want. 
I just feel like if you do have a service like that where you have access to so much, it's probably best to try to like get as much as you can. But again, if you're looking at everything and not really narrowing it down, then absolutely I can see how burnout can come in because there's so much. Like, you, what do you play? Yeah. You would have to like, it, it would if you're using Game Pass. I feel like you can't just. It's really hard to just go in with like, ooh, wide-eyed optimism. I, what's what's to play next? I feel like you do have to have at least an idea of you want what you want to play. Like, okay, I got Game Pass. Uh, what kind of JRPGs are on there? If you narrow it down a little bit, maybe it'll help you. If like you're like, okay, I want to play this genre. I feel like that would make it like it, I've always my opinion of things have always been if something seems too big, just make it smaller. And that's would be my way of doing it. But again, I'm only speaking of someone who would just again, I don't use Game Pass because that's just not how I play games. But I'm just speaking as like for someone that has it, that it is something that interests them. <laughs> like, it's weird to say you have it's like it's like the guy that pays for the cable that has a thousand channels but only watches 20 of them. Yep. But you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then he says there's nothing on. Yeah, exactly. Okay, like, but like I, to be fair, there's not much on for ga- on on Game Pass for me. So I am that person who got, you know, paid sure. for all these channels and I'm not going to watch most of them. Um However, I just disagree with the tweet because um, I, I like it's just it's just wrong. Like they, that's not what the article says. So I was actually crazy. exactly on, on a fundamental level, the article's wrong. I thought it was funny, but you're right. After looking at the article, it's just not what they said. <laughs> um, so I'm, we're running out of time. So there were two more that I'm just going to mention really quick that we don't really have time to talk about. Um, which one of them was D and D's journey through the Radiant Citadel has been uh, delayed, and the reason I brought it up is because um, anyone who is a purveyor of Dungeons and Dragons may or may not know. I think I did talk about this on the podcast before, but this specific adventure book is written by, I don't want to get this wrong, so let me read this uh, from the polygon.com article. It says, uh, Journeys to the Radiant City Lell is the first anthology of D&D adventures to be written entirely by black and brown authors. Um, it contains 13 new standalone adventures for characters from level 1 through 14. Um, and they've done lots of uh, uh, detailed press um, releases, including one shots inspired by Asian culture and black culture, as well as Caribbean and Mexican cultures. So I personally, as someone who's been playing D&D for years, is very excited. I'm very excited for um, Journeys to the Radiant Citadel, except for I got to wait longer because it has been delayed. And the other one is the first ever black owned animation network is uh, ready to launch this summer. I will be talking about that next week because I have things to say about the first ever black what did I say? Oh, shoot. Animation Network? Animation Network, I think. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I have things to say about the first ever Black Animation Network that's going to be launching this summer. Um, but as for us, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us, Spencer. Thank you for having yeah. me. It's great. Um, I will just say briefly that that was really cool news to, to read. As a person who focuses on non-European histories and cultures, um, I think it's just the coolest thing in the world. So I, I just think that's I'm so excited for that and the uh, D&D adventure book. I'm I, like, I, I, I've heard some of um, the, the cultural inspirations for some of the adventures and it's really great to have, to be able to play through other people's uh, uh, experiences for once instead of the high fantasy white cis male lovely. Sure bullshit um anyway um thank you once again uh for joining us thank you kelly as usual thank you brandon as usual uh spencer Mm -hmm. is there any way if anyone wants to talk to you about video games that they can contact you absolutely you can find me on um, twitter at spencer wp 
Uh, I'm also on Instagram, just at Spencer Pennington. It's a pretty long English name, so it's not that hard to figure out, I don't think. Um, those would be the probably the easiest ways to reach me. Um, I you also can find me if you're interested in this side. I'll just plug this briefly on academia.edu uh, because again, that's what I do for a living. Um, if anyone wants to talk games, they want to talk history, they want to talk religious studies, or any combination of those things, or they want to talk anime or some weightlifting or anything, uh, I'm game. And confirm, he's a great conversation. Gaming religion, <laughs> huh? So, so, so let's talk about some JRPGs. Talk about what religion does in those games. <laughs> oh, <they're> like, <laughs> let's talk about what religion does in JRPGs. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, I've 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 poured a lot of hours of my life into that. I tell you that right uh. now. Great. Time. I'm sure I'm sure you have. I, I, I honestly believe that. <laughs> All right. And with that, uh, once again, thank you guys. It's been a wonderful conversation. And bye, everybody. Bye. Take care. Thank you.